clutch and the button, and you control the. You, you, what uh, Dave Hat told me he says you just grab a handful of throttle, just as much as you can. You pin it, Nitro. and you you just work the button like a. And on on the third time when you, when you think it's about to blow up, count to three, Nitro. and then slip your foot off the clutch. So it was like instinct to drive. So when I first. I, I tried it a couple times up at Global Force and I went okay, but when I was in Dayton, I was sitting on the line and everybody thought I'd go right off the back of it because I went up that first jump and as I landed, it did a, a big wheelie and I'm just twisting, trying to turn the throttle off as hard as I can, but I forgot it. it's like in this hand, it's in your other hand, and then I remembered the button and the button is amazing. It just came right down and then you let it out. It's like an instant. You're... All right, Nitro Mud fans, I'm your host, Brandon the Cowboy Krieger, and we're coming to you with episode number 13 of Nitro in Mud. Our special guest this week is Ted Wilkins, the 1999 AMA Pro Hill Climb champion. Before we get Ted on here, I would like to talk a little bit about our Nitro Mud youth team. Uh, if you're new to the show or haven't been following or don't know, uh, Nitro Mud podcast, we're going to be forming a youth amateur hill climb team to compete at the ama grand championships of hill climbing in valley springs wisconsin the team uh we're looking for donations uh we have an app site set up app.galabid.com backslash nitro and mud uh if you go sign up on the app we have raffle tickets up for grabs for some great great hill climb memorabilia uh also a couple auction items all items on the app have been donated by some of the best professional racers in the business from the naha and the ama pro hill climb series so some great stuff over there at the app if you haven't done so yet i really suggest going over checking out what we have uh getting yourself some cool raffle tickets uh even my co-host colby marble from nitro pilot he's got some stuff on there a pretty cool deal where there's a raffle, you can buy some tickets, and Colby will do a design for a autograph poster for you. So that's that's pretty cool. So thanks, to Colby, for doing that. We have had a couple people donate already to the team, so I would like to thank those people right here on the show right now. Uh, we have Craig DeHart from DeHart Racing donated $100. Thank you, Craig. Josh Mueller from Mueller Racing has donated $100. Dave Perigo from 55 Motorsports has donated $100. Joel Falde from Falde Racing has donated $100. Fowler Racing has donated $100. Gordy Coaster from Coaster Racing has donated $100. The Mason Crew from Mason Racing donated $100. The Devastator, Devin Schweitzer, donated $100 to the team. Ralph Krieger and Phil Libhart from Krieger & Sons Pro Hill Climbing Team and Libhart Racing have donated $100. The one and only Jamie Deer and Nancy Deer have donated $100 to the Nitro Mud Youth Team. Rob Redman, AMA Boss, has donated $100 to the Nitro Mud Youth Team. Carrie Peterson and Team Peterson Racing donated $1,000 for the Nitro Mud Youth Team. Thank you, Team Peterson and Carrie Peterson, for your generous donation. Nate Redman 
also donated $100 for the Nitro Mud Youth Team. Bruce Swigert, $100. Justin Lindy, $125. Brandy Lindy, $125. Co-host of the show, Sean Van Assing, $100. Bodie O'Neill, the hot youngster coming out on the Pro Series this year, $100. Thank you, Bodie. Scott Meeks, $100. Steve Scott from the New England Hill Climbers Association, $100. And Mueller Motorsports has donated $200, bringing our total donations for the Nitro Mud Youth Team to $3,150. Our goal was $5,000 to get to help these kids. Every penny that's donated or bought through the raffles and the auctions goes directly to these kids. To help offset some travel expenses, uh, trying to work out some deals with some sponsors or something to help out get some cool pit shirts made and some other cool things for the kids. So anything anybody wants to donate to help out with the youth team, feel free. Get a hold of me. Contact me, uh, nitromud at gmail.com, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, heck, even on TikTok. Yes, that's right. Nitromud has a TikTok page, so go check that thing out, too. I try to post videos up there every now and then. You can also donate over on the app site at app.galabid.com backslash nitroandmud. So, yeah. That being said, everybody get a hold of me. Uh, let's get some donations. Let's help make this thing happen. Let's get these kids out there to the Amateur National Hill Climb and make this a yearly thing maybe we can keep doing this and keep the donations going and get some people out there to the show i also want to give a special shout out to molly carbon mc32 uh, molly has volunteered to take over all the social media work for nitro mud uh, she's running the nitro mud facebook page and with molly's help our donations have doubled uh, since she has started the page and started recognizing everybody who's donated on the Facebook page. So thank you, Molly Carbon. Um, also give a big shout out to Rob Redman. A majority of the donations that we got at the very beginning of this, uh, Rob was nice enough to go out and try and solicit some of these donations for me. So Rob, thank you so much for, for that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people helping out, helping make this thing happen, helping get kids to the Nationals. Uh, this is just an idea I had trying to give back to a sport that I've spent so much of my life in. I love this sport so much and just want to give back. I want these young kids to stay involved. I want these young kids to get a passion for hill climbing so we see them in the pro ranks in the future. All right, so that being said, let's get our guest in here. Let's get Ted Wilkins and see what Ted has to say. Ted is a great guy. It's been a long time since I've seen him and talked to him. Uh, he was a staple in the AMA Pro Hill Climb Tour. So let's find out a little bit about Ted and the crazy Rotax upside-down engine, snowmobile engine, that he won the 1999 championship on. All right, Ted Wilkins, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, finally, Brandon. Holy. Yeah. It's been a tough to get going here. Yes, it has. Well, it's been about 20 years or so since I've got the see or talk to you so this is kind of cool getting to reminisce a little bit it is it's cool I, I i sure miss i sure miss everybody down there it's just uh i i saw paul a few years ago i drove down to florida and i stopped down at his place paul pinsano but okay. other than other than that i see johnny williams 
uh, once in a while, but I don't really see anybody. Yeah. And I so what you been doing that. with yourself? <laughs> well, I've, I've been retired about 15, 16 years now. So I, uh, besides doing all my regular, I have too many vehicles. I have, uh, I don't know, about three licensed motorcycles and uh, about four cars, <laughs> a van, a pickup, an MR2 I restored. Nice. Um, and Bonnie's car. So I'm forever doing oil changes and tires. And <laughs> and then I, I put a pool table in my shop. And so Tuesday and Thursday is pool. A bunch of old guys and some other people. And uh, I start, I play in a band a little bit, have a garage band. Nice. So we do that some, you know, Friday or Saturday. I have, I'm, my retirement's been so busy. It's just, I don't have time to do everything. <laughs> Went on a couple of trips. They say that happens. They say yeah. that happens when you, re- when you retire, it gets, yeah. it gets even busier life. Yeah. Got a oh. couple adventure bikes, got a, a BMW, an cool. old 1100 GS. Nice. Across Canada a few years ago. And, uh, we got a van on last, well, not last summer. Last summer was still COVID, wasn't it? The summer before. Yeah. <laughs> summer before we, we uh, went up to the Yukon. Okay. That was a really good trip. That sounds really cool. What's it like up there in the Yukon? It was great. Just the roads were amazing. Like, I don't know how Ontario roads can get pretty <laughs> rough and potholed. And those roads were like new and smooth and beautiful and twisty windy and no one on them nice wow it was great scenery was awesome lots of wildlife see any good mountains to put a hill climb on (sighs) tons of them (laughs) but they yeah i haven't i actually raced out in uh out west a few times oh did you yeah cool raced at uh Billings, Montana, twice. Okay. Went to, I didn't do that good. My first year, the uh, chain came off a couple times. I'd, those hills are a lot rougher than our hills. <laughs> yeah. And that swing arm really twisted around a lot. So the next year, I put those pizza pans on the, on the side of the sprocket to keep the chain on. And uh, okay. I was like mid pack. And then, a few years later, I went to uh, California, San Bernardino, okay. and uh, I won the, uh, I could run, back then I was running just, um, you couldn't run fuel, but I was just running, I could run alcohol and uh, rubber tire, okay. so I put a knobby tire on it, and I I won the uh, under 700 modified stock class. <laughs> now, that was at the Rotex? With the road tax. And all those nice. guys were that was really cool to do that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, let's get in. How'd you get into hill climbing, Ted? Um Well, because there I, I've I was always good at going up hills, even way back when I first started riding at a sand pit and uh I mowed across for a bit, uh hair scramble, enduros, that sort of thing. 
and we moved up here up to Kinmount and uh, there was a hill at Wilberforce 20 minutes down the road. Okay. So instead, and I hadn't raced for a long time. And I said, I told Brian, I said, you know, this is great. The, the hill's like 20 minutes away. I don't have to drive all over Ontario to go to a race. <laughs> so I did that for a couple of years. And then also I'm driving all over North America. <laughs> <laughs> No, that one there in Wilberforce, that's uh, where Johnny Williams did the Canadian National Hill Climb, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I got started right then. It was right at the end of that. I'd, I'd run my uh, 70 Can-Am up that hill, and then my friend Bob said, let's make some, uh, like, real hill climbers. Okay. So we, I got that old Triumph. It was a $350 basket case. And uh, put it all together, and I, I won a whole like every time we had club events at that hill, I pretty okay. much won everything on that. And then Bob said, "Well, let's go. They have pro hill climbs down the states because they the guys came up to Wilberforce." He said, "Let's join and go down." I said, "We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we can." And the next year, there we were. Cool. And that was an eye-opening experience. Because you think you're doing I, I bet. good, then all yeah. of a sudden you see what's really out there. Holy, did <laughs> I feel bad? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember you coming out in that, that triumph the first couple of years, and you really struggled with that for a while. Oh, it, it would run perfect up Bill's Hills. I could do that hill like in uh, six and a half seconds. It just flew up there, and every time I'd run into trouble down. Uh, when I went down the, down the States. Now, when hard. you came down to the States, did you put it on fuel for the pro stuff or are you still on gas when you had that? I, I started on, uh, I, I probably had it on alcohol to start. Okay. And then with a lot of help from everybody, you know, like, uh, all the old guys back then, you know, Doug Clunt and Danny Halkman, all those guys, they, they'd give me a hand, tell me what to do. So, uh, I ended up switching it over to nitro and well, I, I blew it up four times pretty badly. <laughs> and the last time it was, I, I kept, it kept getting better mm -hmm. all the time. And yep. uh, in the end there, I had Carilla rods in it, cam, fuel cams. It was getting, it was starting to really work and I had a six spring clutch in it so it wouldn't slip and, and I thought, you know, this motor just sounds too good. I don't want to wreck it anymore. <laughs> so I, I shoved it off in a corner and made that Rotax one. Okay. That's, what made you go with the, the snowmobile engine? Well. Or is it something you had laying around? No, I, I, it was another basket case I bought. And <laughs> uh, I, I just thought the sled engine would be pretty light and uh, work good. And I'd ridden. I don't know if you, you probably don't remember the Hattons. There was like Kenny Hatton, Dave Hatton, and Russell Hatton. And yeah, they I don't, ran I don't remember at the time, guys. They were running uh, 500 Suzuki twins, the old <clears throat> X6 Hustler twin 500 or whatever they were. Okay. On alcohol. And, uh, and it, they worked pretty good. I actually rode one of those at, um, I'd blown my. The Triumph blew up, 
the week week before, and Russell couldn't come down on his bike on his 500 Suzuki, so he said, "Just take take that one." So we went to Dayton, and the the whole trip was just there's a story and a half there on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we did it, but anyways, we went there and it had a. Uh, they had their bike set up old style. So it had a left-hand throttle and a foot clutch and a button. And you'd control the, you'd, you'd what uh, Dave Hatton told me, he says, you just grab a handful of throttle, just as much as you can. You pin it and you, you just work the button like a, and on, on the third time when you, when you think it's about to blow up, count to three and then slip your foot off the clutch. So <laughs> it was like oh. insane to drive. So my first, I, I tried it a couple times up at Wilberforce and I went okay. But when I was in Dayton, I sitting on the line and everybody thought I'd go right off the back of it. Cause I went up that first jump and as I landed, it did a, a big wheelie and I'm just twisting, trying to turn the throttle off as hard as I can. But I forgot it. It's like in this hand in your other hand and then oh. the button and the button is amazing it just came right down and then you let it out it's like an instant you're an instant you're not doing a wheelie and you're going up the hill and i did probably mid-pack on the not no not mid-pack i would have been near the end but it went pretty darn good that's pretty so cool. thought, what year was that i don't remember that that would have been near the end of when i had that would have been like 80 88 maybe Okay. And uh, yeah, I was pretty young. That's probably why I don't remember that. Yeah, the whole trip. <clears throat> I went over to get a ride with these guys, uh, Dave okay. Hatton. He was like in his 60s, and his buddy was late 60s. And I'm waiting in the parking lot for them. And it took them forever to get there, and they'd been up all night partying. And uh, so I get in the van, and they got. It was one of those old Fords with the, the the big captain seats everywhere and a table, and they had okay. beers set up on the table, <laughs> and they've partied all night. So I jump in the van. I'm thinking, man, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> we went all the way. We get to the border, and something was going on. There was uh, big limos everywhere. There was the SWAT team. It was just insane, and I thought, oh, man, we're going to get pulled over for sure. But because there was so much commotion, we just went right through the border, and then we <laughs> went to the the riders' meeting and then pretty much partied most of the night. And then I got up, I raced, and uh, Dave raced, and the guy that was driving his, his van, he never got out of the van all day. He kept just getting girls to buy him those big jugs of beer. <laughs> and when we left, he hit the he hit the gate on the way out, and I thought, man, I, there's no way we're making it home. And Dave says, no, no, he'll be fine. And fine, another beer, he'll be fine. So we're another beer, down, he'll be fine. <laughs> we're going down the interstate, and uh, we're passing all these uh, transports, and then he has. We have to pee. So he pulls over on the side of the road. We all get out. We pee. Jump back in. Pass all those. They all, all the transport trucks go by. Then we pass them again. Go another, you know, twenty miles down. Have to pull over again. 
<laughs> I wanted to be awake for the border crossing. I thought, there's no way we're getting across the border. <laughs> and I fell, I was done. I fell asleep and I woke up and I'm at home. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's amazing you made it home with all that. You know, that was the end of an era. Like, even back, even then, people weren't doing that. But these guys, they were just still like in their, how they used to do things in the 50s, you know? <laughs> just wild funny. and crazy. So, oh. anyways, uh, so then I, I got that. I made that uh, Rotax. Okay. Um, and I met a guy that Steve Harrison, uh, he did a lot of race sleds. So he did the motor up for me and he, he could weld really good. And I just drew up a design and he made that frame. I uh, traded a case of beer for an old CR125, a really old one. I put the forks and wheels on it and I, I started it up in the driveway and I went around the driveway once. I said, this has to be going by, I think my, my limit was uh, we had to have it running by like nine o'clock in the morning Saturday so I could make it to White Rose to York. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I left it running while we're get packing up and everything so it could break in a little bit. And uh, we went to White Rose. We made it there on time. Uh, I signed in, and at the best I'd ever done on my Triumph was the eighth at Kroger okay. Lake. And uh, so my first run, I got third place. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. I came home. I was so happy. I took Steve. I said, I went to Steve because he did a lot of work on it. I said, wow, we got a trophy. We got a case of beer and, we, and, uh, and $300 or something like that. It was like, <laughs> it was great. Oh, so that brings us up. You built that Rotex and you started doing really well. And that brings up, you're the only guy to have his name in the AMA Hill Climb rule book. So how, how'd that come, all come about? Well, maybe you can tell me, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was 10 years old when that all went yeah. down. Well, the, I think it was the end of the first year. I, I hadn't, Tim Fraser was beat me like every race by, you know, hundreds of a second and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, man, I, I'm so close. And then finally I, I started doing good on it and I started, we started getting it dialed in pretty good. And so maybe the first, I don't know how many years, two, three years, something like that. Um, it got better and better and I had fast time of the day sometimes. And I thought, and then my son, Aaron bought a 800 Skidoo, 800 twin. And I took it okay. for a ride and I said, man, if you make it to spring, you're going to be doing good. This thing is insane. It was so fast. I wasn't used to stuff like that in the snow. And uh, so I thought, you know, that motor will, it'll just bolt right into my frame, just the four motor mount bolts. Everything else, just unplug the cables, slide it over, flip the clutch out. And uh, I could run in the 800 class. So I thought, yeah, I think I'm going to do that next year. I'll, I'll go to the 800 class. So I said that to somebody. I was going to go in the 800 class for a few people. I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a 800 for next year. And then I got a call or something. I forget how it went down that 
you can't run that anymore. We're changing the rules. It had to be, can't use those snowmobile um, clutches anymore. And it has to be like a motorcycle engine. And so I, my, I think Harley did not want me in the 800 class for sure. Cause that thing <laughs> yeah, would have been. I didn't want you there. Huh? They probably didn't want that there. That thing would ate the XRs alive. No, it, it was, uh, it was a, it would have been a really fast bike and, uh, not that I would have been able to ride. I mean, a lot of people are good at saying back then, like in the 540 class, and then you go to the 800 class, it's a different, it's different, you know, and some people do it and some people can't, I think I could have done it. Yeah. But, uh, so I thought, well, man, I guess I'm out. But I think, I, I think what happened was a lot of the riders and maybe promoters went to the meetings and uh, or wrote letters or did something to stick up for me and say, look, you can't kick me out because I've been riding for a lot of years down here with it. So yeah. I think that's why they put me in. They said, okay, we'll grandfather him. So I was the only guy that could ride that bike and have that bike. Okay. Since then, other people had called me like from down there to see if they could buy that bike. I said, well, I don't think you can ride it, you know? <laughs> yeah, not on, the, not on the AMA stuff. I think there's stuff like that's still legal in the Naha series. Oh, yeah, I took it out west. Those guys were all happy. to. They just thought it was the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a another guy from Canada out the western part of Canada. He's got a 1,000cc sled engine in one. Yeah. I can't remember his name, Berger, Bergen. Yeah, I don't know them. Yeah, at the time, I, I guess some guys had tried it, but no one really got it going good. But it's uh, it worked really good. So I should tell you, you know what I did with it after when I tried it, uh, or I've been running it a couple of years there. I thought, man, this thing goes so fast. I, I think I should try it out in the, on the road. So I okay. put a street tire on it and uh, I went down the highway out in front of my place and I, I've been on a lot of bikes and I worked at a bike shops for years and man, okay. I've never been on anything that went that fast. <laughs> it was incredible. I thought the knobby was going to, I thought the knobby was going to come off the rim on the front. <laughs> it just laid like, I don't know. It would have been like I had several hundred feet of rubber, and the, and by the by the time I I got down the road in no time, I was just going like so fast on. I thought I have to make a street bike with one of I these. Just gonna, just gonna ask you, you made a couple street bikes with one of those, didn't you? Yeah, I made a couple, and uh, <clears throat> I ac I actually have both of those bikes still. Uh, one okay, I, I just... one of them. Uh, one I made out of, all out of carbon fiber, the frame and the tank and all that um, aluminum swing arm, uh, Gixxer rims and wheels, like sport bike wheels on it. And uh, and I had a five, was it a 583 motor in it? Okay. And it was, it went really good, but that was around, it was 90, 97 when I broke my back. And so I never okay. finished. I never finished doing the lights and I didn't license it because right after that, a guy called me to build him a bike. Okay. 
and he wanted one like like that, like the carbon fiber one. He'd seen a picture of it, and uh, but then he saw the hill climber, and then he he really liked that frame. So I said, "Sure, it's that's a lot easier than making a carbon <laughs> fiber frame. I can do that easy." So then he wanted a sit down bike, like a foot forward. Okay. So we got a. Uh, ZX7 Cowie for the all the wheels, brakes, and forks and all that. Okay. And I made a frame. Well, I, I did a bunch of designs for him, and he really liked it. So uh, it's it was like the same length as a ZX. Uh, what are they? Is that the Cowie ZX7, whatever it was okay. back then. And uh, same geometry basically, but. Instead of sitting way up in the air, you sat really low like a chopper, and you're hanging on to clip-ons just like they're normal bars. Okay. So you, all the weight is like right in the center of the bike, and man, that thing flew. He had a a CBR 1100RR, and it would just blow the doors off that bike like it was sitting still. You could go around, road race guys are going, that's not going to work. You'll never get around a corner on that. You hardly had the, it was so compact and and uh, balanced, right? You, you hardly had to lean in the corner. It was amazing. Okay. I, I remember seeing pictures of that one. It kind of, you look like you're sitting on like a scooter, like you're sitting down inside the wheels and stuff. Yeah. It was like really the cool to high ride. level. Because you could ride it like a chopper, sort of, or you could just tuck in and ride it like a sport bike, like a crotch rocket. And it would, it's a thing like a, it didn't want a wheelie or a brake stand or anything like that. It was just so easy to ride. And, uh, anyways, that guy, uh, he kept it for about five. He always had a, the latest brand new bike, and uh, he kept it for about five years, and then he got cancer and passed away. So, his wife didn't want her kid to have that bike, so he, she brought it back and uh, gave it back to me. Okay. So you, but, have, uh, you have both of them. So I got both of them, but neither one, both of them need work. And the carbon fiber one, uh, Aaron borrowed the motor out of it to put in something for a sled for the winter or something. I never got that motor back. And uh, <laughs> so right now I'm work, I was working on a, Another motor that I'm making myself, it's uh, an opposed piston motor. Okay. So there's two crankshafts with a cylinder in the middle. So the two pistons come together and that's, so there's no cylinder head. Okay. And it fires like, so it fires both cylinders. And that way, one side's, one of the cylinders is for the exhaust and one side's for the intake. So it's a really clean motor, really smooth. And, uh, okay. I almost got it going uh, just this uh, last fall. That's what I was doing during COVID, <laughs> making this motor. <laughs> and uh, I fired it up and I thought, man, it sounds great. It revved up. It sounded really good. And then all of a sudden it started revving like crazy. I thought, you know, I had to, I, I got it to stop. And then I thought, man, what's wrong with this thing? I better do a bottom end compression because it two-stroke needs a bottom end compression if not it runs really lean yeah well my welding was so bad around all the flanges on the uh on this motor i made that it was leaking like a sieve everywhere so when i squirted a pile of gas and it would run until it leaned out and then it would just take off like it was running so lean 
No, it just so, started sucking air. Yeah. So now I got to start over again and get another cylinder. <laughs> I so made it out of like a hydraulic cylinder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you welded up and pretty much made your own engine from scrap parts you had laying around. I, I bought a, uh, I went to Cycle Salvage in Peterborough. Those guys supplied me with tons of stuff over the years. And uh, and I bought a, a 600 triple Rotax. Okay. And I, and all, I just wanted the, uh, the crankcase and uh, pistons, and that's about it. And I, so I cut the uh, center cylinder out, and I used the two outer cylinders, and I cut the crank. And, uh, and so there's like a, it's basically a 600. So now it's a 400. It's like a 400 single, but it's a 400 twin sort of. Okay. But, uh, it's, it should be pretty good, pretty smooth. Uh, then I find out now, I designed this years ago, and then I find out now they're, they're starting to make those motors. that They have one in a, making them for all kinds of stuff now. That's that idea where they okay. have all the pistons come together. So, anyways, yeah. that's sort of what I've been doing. Well, that's pretty cool. And we'll get on some of your other uh, inventive ideas. After you started doing real well with the, the Rotax and hill climb. And then you showed up one year, and the engine was upside down. Oh yeah, I, I when I was in California, and on the Saturday I went in a mod of what was an altered stock class, and I won. Beat like it was cool beating all those California guys. That was so cool. <laughs> but on the Sunday, they went to a different part of the hill, and it was a big washout. And I'm just tucked in and flying up this thing really fast and i didn't i didn't realize there's this huge boulder sticking out the side of the the hill there at the side of the ravine and you know that clutch sticks out really far well yeah. i just nailed that and it bent the uh bent the crankshaft and it bashed that whole cover in and uh so i i tried to uh at, at, on that day, I tried to fix it. I so I ended up just running it without the the the, the thing was bent. The belt was smoking for the last race of the day, but I, I couldn't. I fell in a big hole on the way up the hill because I was really watching it because I rode it with no with no cover over those clutches. <laughs> so you're watching keep driving your all, the, all, the way to, all the way to California, not to <laughs> not to drive ride it in every race. <laughs> But uh, so anyways, I thought, you know, they, I need more ground. I need more clearance. And the pipes were getting bashed all the time. It was hard to work on the carburetors. So I knew they ran them upside down in the ultralights in those airplanes. Yeah. And uh, thought, well, I'm just going to make it upside down. So I, I just cut that frame away. I welded a plate on there, stick it in upside down. Made a new set of pipes to go straight out the back. Carbs were up the front. You could tear that thing down in two seconds. Easy to work on. Was lighter. But it did have a problem. You know when I broke my back? Yeah. Yeah. And that, was, that was after I... No, that was uh, White Rose. Oh, White Rose? I broke it at the top of going off at York. Okay. Um, anyways, I, so I, I turned it upside down and, uh, it went really good. 
But at York, I, I'd won the first round. I was in the lead. And then Terry Thompson was goes up on his BSA second round, and he beats me, like, by a tenth. I thought, oh, no 20-year-old's going to be beating me. <laughs> so I... <laughs> I get on it, and I, I knew I had to pin it right to the end. But on that last jump, when I when I backed off for a second, I could hear the motor. It was uh, like like the throttle was stuck on full. Okay. And when I came down, I knew I had to give it one more shot, and I gave it another shot. To, and then it, I tried to break, and it was just screaming. It wouldn't shut down, and I I launched off the top of that hill flat out. Oh. I looked down three times. <laughs> on the way twice on the way up and then once on the or once on the way up once when i leveled out and then once on the way down thinking man this is really gonna hurt yeah when you get out over the top there the the ground goes away and just get higher and higher and higher and higher and i, I kind of cleared i kind of cleared all that landing area that's kind of soft and over by that tree on the left it's all kind of rocky in there okay and and i i shouldn't have bailed I shouldn't have bailed off the bike. I should have hung on. I probably would have been okay. I thought it might loop on me though, because it was still revving. Okay. And uh, so when I landed, I I thought, well, if I I can't land on my feet, I'm just going to break my ankles or legs or whatever. So I tried landing on my shoulder on my back, just glide in and land, and I was out instant. And uh, when I came to all the all the all the people around me. I looked over. I see the ambulance. I saw the backboard, and I thought, "I'm not going to a hospital down here." <laughs> so they got me up, and I I'd won. And uh, anyways, this story story's kind of veering off from what I was going to tell you about, but uh, I'll just keep going with it. I guess just keep going. <laughs> um. So anyways, I. They get me up, and I went to the top of the hill because I'd won, and I went to put my arm up, but I couldn't lift my arm. And Everybody's, like, cheering. and So I get back to the bike, and they, they put me on the bike and give me a push down the hill. And when I'm going through the pit, everybody's coming up and slapping me on the back. Oh. And it was just killing. I was just – and I couldn't talk because I, I couldn't get my breath. I thought I broke some ribs, actually, but – I, I didn't. I broke uh, T2, 3, and 4. Okay. And uh, so uh, I get back to the truck, and my brother Bill gets my stuff off, and we get in the truck. He goes and gets the trophy and money. And so we drove home. And um, so uh, he drove. And then partway home, I had to go to the can. So we're up in northern New York. It's like, I don't know what time, two, three in the morning or something like that. So I hobble into the can. I get there. I, I sit down and, and then I, I realize I can't, re I can't bend down to pick up, to get my pants. I can't, my, my body's not going to go in that position. Oh. So, and I, and I block the door. And so I started laughing. I go, Bill, I can't reach my, I can't get my pants on. He goes, well, I'm not coming in after you. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're laughing and I finally it's all I could do to go down I get him I get the door open I hobble back out and, uh, we get in the thing and Bill's beat so we get to up in into Ontario he says I can't drive anymore I said okay I'll drive but I couldn't shift into fifth I could get first first to fourth and every time I had to go in fifth I'd 
bare fifth, and he kind of like half wake up and do a little shift and get it into fifth gear for me. And uh, so the next morning, I drove myself up to the hospital, and uh, I said, I think I broke my back. And I went, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be walking in here. I go, yeah, I did. 15 x-rays later, and they're putting me on the table this way and that way and making me hold these heavy buckets of water. They, they just couldn't get the x-ray right to see. And then they sent me home. Actually, they told me to go to the, the other hospital in another town that had a CAT scan. They said, you got blood in your urine. I go, of course I do. I just crashed at like high speed. That's not the problem. My problem is my back. So they sent me home. So then the Thursday they phoned and said, uh, well, yeah, yeah, we think you fractured your back. You got to go to emerge or go to Peterborough the next day. So I go there, went on the MRI thing. And then they sent me to Toronto, sat and emerge all afternoon. I get in there and they had a, uh, was the intern was there that, the specialist had already gone home oh. and, and like whenever you do something like that, break your tailbone, break your back. First thing they do is why did doc, they always have to get the glove on and put it up your butt and check, you know, and I, I'm going, Oh man. So he says, Oh yeah, you, you fractured your back. Um, the, the specialist will call you Monday. So anyways, I go home, Monday comes Tuesday, Wednesday, I phone them. Oh, we don't know. We sent your, your, uh, all your results back to Peterborough. So, <laughs> so then I phoned them. They didn't have them. They didn't have them up in my hometown. So I, and I had, I was off work for like three months, but, uh, Bonnie worked for a naturopath and he said, man, you have to take time off work. You're in bad shape. And then, uh, it was November my doctor called me. He finally got the results in, and I, I busted uh, T2, 3, and 4, the side-off T2, squished T3 in half, and there was bone in my spinal canal and back the back-off T4. Wow. And, uh, I'd never taken any painkillers or anything because I thought I just – I thought, well, because I hadn't broken my back at the start, I thought I just did some ribs in or something. I was going to yeah. go to Dayton. <laughs> But uh, a good thing I didn't. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Because uh, definitely would have did you in. So then I was off work for three months, and then I went half time, and then I came out the next spring. So I missed that one race out of all those years on that on the Rotax. I think that's about the only race I missed. And then in the spring, I went out and. Uh, I won the first two races and one of them was at York. And that was about the only time I was ever a little bit nervous at the bottom of York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, York. I started to tell you that because okay. when I turned the motor upside down, the carbs were facing the other way. So when you're going vertical up the hill, instead of the floats the other way, the floats kind of flop open and let fuel in. When you're going that way, the floats and the carb would close, and it, so it was running out of fuel. Okay. And I so was it at a. Lean. It ran lean, and it's. I don't know if you ever been seen a two-stroke diesel. It won't shut down. Yep. They just take off. 
And uh, that's what happened because I was at another hill shortly after that. One of those, uh, like you go up like a ski hill, it's just flat out all the way. And I got okay. near the top and it started to lean out and I, it started to, I could tell, I could feel it starting to hang up. And I went, I know. Then I figured out what was going on. So then I fixed it. <laughs> well, how'd you, how'd you fix that problem? I, I didn't want to do a lot of work. So I, I took the floats right out and I put a, uh, I put a little spigot at the front top of the bowl and it ran and I put the gas tank underneath. So I ran a fuel pump that would fill that whole bowl with fuel. And then when it got to the top, it would overflow and it didn't matter what you could ride it in a vertical wheelie all day and it's not going to run out of fuel. And that that thing, that thing never ran as well as it did. Um, you know, once I did that, the thing was, it ran great after that start really easily ran perfect after that. Wow. That's pretty, uh, ingenious idea. It was, but you do things out of necessity, you know, like when something happens, yeah. you think, well, what am I going to do? That, that's kind especially of pretty cool to hear where, all that kind of stuff. Especially where, where, where I live, you're not, you don't have like a, a lot of people to bounce too many ideas off or you don't have, you can't just run down to the corner and get something. That probably is from growing up on a farm or something. You just learn to do everything. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. pretty good. That's pretty uh, inventive ideas. Like I never knew that you had a fuel pump and any of that stuff on it towards the end. I, and also that bike, I should tell you the, uh, when I made it, I, I don't know if you knew that the swing arm shaft was also the counter shaft. So went yeah. from the primary clutch to the secondary mm-hmm. and that way you can keep the chain really tight. But you know what the biggest help with that was, it wasn't so like that your suspension on the triumph, when you gassed it, it just sucked that suspension down. You know, when yeah. it's not on the same pivot, when it's on the same pivot, you can just pin that and that back wheel just floats over the bumps. It doesn't, it doesn't load the suspension. Okay. So and that, then you had a, you had like an engine brake there too, didn't you? On the end of that. No, that was a counter shaft. It just was on the counter shaft. So I, but I, I only put that on at the beginning and I, I took it off. I, it was there, but I never really had a caliper on it much. Okay. I, I just um, remember seeing the brake on the end of that counter shaft there. Yeah. I, I just thought, well, that that uh, paddle tire out the back, it's not slowing you down. You might as well have like put your foot on the ground or something, you know? <laughs> oh. It doesn't, doesn't do that much. Anyways, well, that's, uh, that's some of the things I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get on that. And probably your job as a, correct me if I'm wrong here, you were a college professor, weren't you? It was. I, I didn't start out like that. I, yeah, uh, but I mean, that, that probably helped with some of your uh, inventive ideas there. I'll, I'll tell you why it did help. But um, first, I, I started out as a bike mechanic. I worked in, I, I started working in bike shops in uh, 1971. Okay. And I was a bike mechanic and for several years and 
Then one year it was a really rough, it was going to be not a good winter. And lots of times you get the winter off up here anyways, but yeah, lots of times we've worked because of snowmobiles, but it was just, I knew it was going to be bad that year. So I thought, well, I'll just go back to school and take something. So I went in and they had this computer course. And, well, that sounds interesting. So I took it and I, I did a three-year course. I did it in two years because I didn't want to take the first year. I did it in two years, and I got a job straight away at IBM. Wow. There was uh, me and a girl in our class. I figured at the time, I figured, well, they got to hire a, a female, and they have to hire a long-haired guy. So I was in. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, IBM was a great place to work. Holy, it was so good. Um, made lots of money. There was no no hassles they really treated you well that's cool but i i didn't want to stay in toronto and raise the kids in toronto so we packed up and moved out out in the bush out, out in the boonies <laughs> yeah and then i so then i worked in a bike shop again for a few years and uh then my friend who was working at another computer place he started teaching at the college and he wanted someone to fill in for the summer he had uh the 52 week programs like older students. And I saw, I couldn't do that. No way. So, <laughs> so just come and come and look at the computers I have. That was back. We had like one IBM clone. We had a Atari Coleco or the, whatever they were, they, uh, Commodore's, uh, whatever they were, Commodore computers, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, I walked in and, and the dean said, well, gr glad to have you aboard, Ted. And I was, I said, well, I, I can't do that. Yeah, you start like next week. <laughs> wow. So, so I just started doing it. And then over the years, I taught computers, math, robotics, uh, networking, like all kinds of stuff. But stuff's changed so much now. Well, as soon yeah. as I, and as I did it for 20 years and, uh, I really liked this. The students were great. I liked doing, doing all that stuff, the labs and all that. I, I refused to teach in the big lecture hall with 250 people, but other teachers liked that. Yeah. They liked just having the headphones and the PowerPoint going and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't like that. So no. 20, 20 years was up. And I, at the time you could retire after 20 years with okay. maximum reduction in your pension, but I didn't care. I was out. <laughs> you're out. You're done. Go enjoy life. But the, the worst part was the administration and sitting in meetings, man. Okay. They had more meetings every week than I can imagine <laughs> to talk about things like our mission statement and things. I'm going, so that's when I did all my design work. Sitting, <laughs> sitting, in, meetings. sitting in the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what better time to do it? <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was good working there, but you know, good and bad, good and bad. I just thought it's just weird. That's not a a job you think a hill climber would have, or you know, well, or I, even I, when you even when you look at look at you with your long hair and like you don't seem like the professor type when people see you. No. 
I really wasn't like the professors there. I, I put, took my bike in, a, you know, for they had a big event happening. And so I'd take my bike in or something like that or whatever I'd be working on. And the, the engineers that I worked with there, they would go like, well, well, how'd you figure that out? I go, well, by guessing, by golly. <laughs> like, well, I just thought it would work. Didn't you do like finite analysis on everything? I go, no. I, I just look. I can't do. I can't design it on AutoCAD. But if I design it like full scale, and just I think from growing up doing stuff all the time, you pretty much know what size of bolt's going to work or what size of material might work and not bend or break or be too heavy. And I said, I, I just make it and I go out and I pound it. And if it breaks or cracks, I didn't make it strong enough. If it doesn't do that, I guess I made it too strong. <laughs> <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, no better well, way to do it's it worked than that. Out pretty good. What's that? Mostly it's worked out pretty good. Yeah. Most of the stuff I've seen you build and you've come out with has worked great. Especially, uh, your Rotex and you finally uh, were able to win a championship on that in 99, right? Yeah. It was a lot of years coming, but, uh, <laughs> and as Bill, my brother, Bill says, I was my own worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the year we got it, that was a lot of work. That was like every week. And my brother, Bill started helping me and he would, he's not a mechanic, but he would do all the, all the stuff you got to do, take the clutch part, clean everything, make sure I got new plugs, new fuel. Like he just made sure all that stuff would happen. And even then I got it by like a point. I think at yeah. the end of the year, it was uh, Paul, Paul Pinchnow and Phil, Lee Bart and me were like a, we're all three of us were a point apart going into Dayton. <laughs> wow. So I guess you had to uh, beat those two guys at Dayton to get the championship. Yeah. I can't re really remember what happened that much. <laughs> well, obviously you beat those two guys, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had some, I had some really good runs at Dayton. And I think my, I had the most good runs at, uh, at White Rose at York. At White Rose. Yeah. Well, One a lot of those hills. What would have been your favorite hill? Well, for the pro circuit, I'd say that we were running at the time, it'd be between Freemansburg and Pogues Hall. Okay. But I think Freemansburg, because I never won. I'd never won Freemansburg, and I'll come back tomorrow and ride that hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you you. Did you struggle there a lot on Freemansburg? The what the I, clutches would it would tear your clutches up. I know. I Steve talked me into using those clutches, and it, it was good that I never had to change gearing ever. <laughs> Run the same gear from day one, and uh, for a lot of hills, it was good. But I think I probably would have actually done better if I had a, uh, just put a, a bike clutch in, just have like a direct drive okay. with a clutch. Yeah, I. I probably could have done better on hills like Freemansburg or yeah. if I had better clutches, not old clutches, I had better ones that have the uh, rollers in. So they back shift better. 
I okay. never really had it a hundred percent at Freemansburg. Yeah. And Freemansburg is like a lot of people's favorite hills. Favorite hill. Yeah. And I like Polk's Hole, but there's a couple parts on it that are pretty rough to get through. <laughs> but it's still pretty fun. Well, and you then out, to, out you west, try and ride it now. Yeah. Well, even when we went there, they had the curve up the hill, the turn up there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did. They, they went across the, the hill and then up. Yeah. But Phil did it. And I'm watching Phil going, oh, I could still do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I could. I could have a couple of years ago. My wrists are getting pretty bad. But I'm. that was the other reason I took up hill climbing. I said, you know, motocross, I could always get the whole shot. But hang on for like half, 20 minutes, half an hour. I'd be, I just couldn't. Like it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Hill climbing, I thought, man, I can hang on for 10 seconds. <laughs> but you, you know what it's like, back, right? Phil's still running. I know, but he's he's the age I was when I retired. He's how old is he? Forty seven or 40, something. Yeah, forty six, I think. Yeah, I think I was forty eight. Okay. I retired. <clears throat> and, uh, I I wrote uh, when I and when I stopped riding. I guess my last run was in two thousand. And then in 20, you know, that there's, I put that YouTube video out there. I, some guys wanted to see that, that Rotax run. Okay. I, and, uh, and I hadn't run the Rotax. Uh, it was 16 years. So 2016, I was at a, the mini bike hill climb up the road. They always invite me and they have a challenge to see if anybody can beat me. And that's a whole story <laughs> in itself. But, uh, a bunch of a bunch of vintage racers are there, and they have uh, we have a vintage trials uh, event and the mini bike hill climb, and uh, they wanted to see the hill climber go. Well, I can't run that. I can't even begin to run that hill climber on that hill. It would just launch into the trees, and it would. There's too many houses and vehicles around. It would just like throw gravel everywhere and break windows, and they didn't didn't get it. So. A few weeks later, we uh, my neighbor up the road has a huge yard, so we I, I said, okay, I got a place where we can you can see it go. And I hadn't been on it in sixteen years, and the wow. thing I I just checked it over; it was all really good. I stuck a I had to put a fuel pump on it, just a one of the snowmobiles fuel pump, not my electric fuel pump. I don't know where that went, and it fired up. But um, I took it for that run, and I couldn't believe that I could actually hold it on, pin it. Like I, I had to go easy at the start because of the back wheel. But uh, you know when you run a hill climber on nitro, and uh, the first thing in the spring you go to run it, you can't. It just wants to leap up on you all the time. It takes you got to do a yep. few runs to get that through your head to let it go through space somehow with uh, by holding the throttle full on and not and let it come up about a foot and then you just go somehow i don't know how that works but <laughs> i got on it i i knew it had one run in it and i did it and it, it went i couldn't believe it but the uh the back wheel of the hub it had one of those you know quick change hubs um mm -hmm. with a 21 inch wheel on the back 
that spool hub about at least a half a dozen of the spokes it was cracked around the hub so those spokes oh. were all loose and i okay. didn't i never saw that i, I just because i'd never run it right and i that morning i went to get it out we'd start it up we'd run it up and it ran and i looked at the wheel and went holy cow I can't run that. So I zip tied the, the spokes together so they wouldn't fly out and get me. And uh, and so these guys all came. And a lot of them are like mechanics and things like that. And there's a couple ladies came to watch it that are bikers. And they just, they thought it was just mental that I was going to actually run this thing in a, in a T-shirt. <laughs> and uh, so we did it. And uh, it went really good. I was really surprised. But uh, that was I'd been off of it for 16 years. And then it was just like, okay, I have to go hill climbing now. <laughs> Pack it up and go somewhere. But the mini bike hill climbs were fun. Uh, the rule was you, you couldn't have bigger than a 10-inch wheel. Okay. But guys came with, oh, man, they have tricked out Z, like the Z50 type bikes and all that kind of thing. I had a kdx 80 with the 10 inch wheels on it and that thing went pretty good so most years i won that not every year but at the end of the day they had to put in like uh 10 bucks or something if you want to race against me see if you can beat me and <laughs> every year i won i think maybe the last year i didn't but the second last year was the best because they we all had to ride the same bike and usually okay. we pick one of the someone's bike. We say, okay, that's a pretty good bike. We'll all ride that bike. You know, we don't care. And uh, so one year, the, the guy that runs it says, everybody has to ride the same bike, but it's a surprise. He brings it out. It was a Aero 80 Honda scooter. With street oh. tires, you know the Aero 80 is? They just look yeah. like some uh -huh. space vehicle or something, you know? <laughs> and it had those street tires on it. And it, the hill's really rocky, and there's a little turn part way up, and it's just, ah, oh, just brutal. The rocks on it, and uh, so everybody goes, and they're doing times, you know, like 15 seconds, and then 13 and 12, and then uh, so then it's I'm the very last guy to go, right? You get one run, and he he said, well, you may have to push at the top because it and it's pretty slow, okay, and so I thought, and we had a, we actually had one of those bikes here that my, my sister-in-law had, it was written off, so had no body work on it. And we ran that thing around, the kids ran that thing around here for years. So I get on it and I pin it and it pulls away and it it's just crawls up the first part of the hill. And I'm thinking, man, this thing is not, I, but I got to keep it pinned. And as it hit the little turn jump thing. I just kept it pin. It, it got right up into the power band. It landed and it flew up the rest of the hill. There was a big chunk of uh, Canadian shield across the top, about six inches. Sparks were flying off the frame. I hit that thing and it launched. <laughs> and I went, the guy standing there with the, the stopwatch, and I launched right through the timing right there. And I was like probably two seconds faster than everybody else. <laughs> that wasn't. That's pretty awesome. That was fun. But, uh, oh. so I'm not sure where we're going after that. Well, we, we talked about your favorite hill, so let's see what your least favorite hill was. Any, I think we went to North Carolina once. I don't, yep. I don't, you, Asheville. 
something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And at, on the way there, I'm looking at all these awesome hills. I think, wow, this is going to be the greatest hill climb. And we get there, and it's like the, the little ski, the bunny ski hill or something. You know, and I'm going, why don't, how come we don't go up that over there? You know, like, how come we're going up this? It was just like a yeah. flat out, just, you might as well be doing a dirt drag. And that oh, was, yeah, that was like Marquette, too. They have like that that uh, ski hill there. But we just went along the level part. Yeah. So yeah, think, they could have started the hill where the they ended the hill. and Yeah. They, they had had a so good I hill think climb. The, the, second I went there, the second year I went there, I thought, well, oh, this is pretty lame. So I just kept it pinned way up the hill, way past the, way past the time <laughs> plate. And then I came down that hill. And I just pinned it on the way down. When I got down near the, the pit area, I was off to the, mm -hmm. near the fence there, but I didn't realize that tall grass was all whipped out in there, like big, I don't know, big ruts or something. Man, I got into a wicked tank slapper. The, the hand, my hand came off the handlebar, just smashed my hand. I almost went over the bars at the last second. I just grabbed the handful and gave it a shot and slid around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but that was uh they were all fun times you know it was always yeah it, was, it wasn't so much like time. win lose or whatever it was just like go down and have a good time with everybody it was so good <laughs> sit around the campfire at night with a a lot of those when we first went down a lot of those old guys they just sit around the campfire and drink till who knows when? Drink till it's time to race. Yeah. Especially in the 80s, a lot of those guys, I mean, they were still drinking when it was time to get on the bike the next morning. Oh. Yeah. My first time down, I couldn't believe it. I thought, man, this is pretty wild. It's pretty good. <laughs> Steve Crowder and Jimmy Clark and all them guys, they were just. Oh, yeah. They'd Charlie be Casey. tuned in. Charlie Casey, yeah. And, and his crew. <laughs> Some good stuff yeah, from, from those guys. Well, we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, so we'll get to some of them good stories in a second. Oh, uh, let's get on who who do you think your toughest competitor was during your uh, time running? Well, I, I didn't really have. I I just tried to make it up the hill with my triumph. I didn't really have a competitor. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, but on the, uh, the Rotax, the first year or two was, uh, Tim Fraser. Yeah. Tim was, and Earl's, man, Earl's bikes were so good and Tim's bike was so good. And Tim was a good rider. You know, I just, man, I had trouble beating him. And then after that, he moved to the 800 class. I finally got him at the end of the year. I beat him a couple times. And then after that, I, I won quite a few after that. And Erd did pretty good anyway. It's not necessarily win, but. And then it was uh, Paul. Paul Pinsonal really. He was hard to beat on that old Honda, on that CR500. Yeah, he was. Yep. He, like, never left the ground. He just, like, stayed low and. Yeah. And hooking up. I, I couldn't. I went to Paul's house once, and uh, he showed me his piston, and his thing was just, like, black and scorched and. Oh yeah, it still goes good. You put lots of nitro in there. 
he was burning a lot of nitro in his uh, two-stroke. Yeah, he was. A lot of oil, too, to keep everything lubricated. Yeah, to keep it going. I, yeah, I only ever uh, ran smoke like, everybody uh, out. I just ran like 20 to 30%. Mostly 25. Okay. 20, 25 mostly. I just, I didn't okay. want to rebuild that motor. <laughs> and it went good on I that. I don't blame you. Yeah, it went really good with that. I mean, I, I think I only ever put pistons in it once. I'd only change that belt maybe once every couple of years. The, the, wow, that's uh, pretty good. I thought that was a something you probably had to change every race. No. It, it After a couple of years, two or three years, I'd have to change the uh, the front clutch. It would, because it engaged at such a high RPM, um, it really, it just slammed in on that belt and that would, it would end up making a groove in that those the sheaves of the clutch. Okay. And so I'd have to change those once in a while. Lots of times I'd not change them until way beyond I should have, but that <laughs> happens. Yeah. Well, you were saying you had some uh, some good stories. So let's. Uh, do you have any good travel stories or racing stories crossing the border? Anything? It's a uh, well, fair game. We want to hear all the all the good juicy details. What it's like <laughs> to come from Canada. <laughs> I can't tell you them all. <laughs> oh, we ha we have an R rating on the show. We're good. I know it's not. That's not the problem. My wife and the family. <laughs> but uh, when I first started going down, uh, I went down with Mark, and Mark always had his cap on backwards, dark glasses. We always drove that big gigantic Buick like a what year was that like a 78 Buick station wagon that was 10 miles long <laughs> and uh and he always had his seat back like on a 45 degree angle and he always had a cigarette in one hand and a huge coffee in the other hand so we get to the border and for, we got pulled over like almost every time for a while because mark they'd say like uh where are you going hill climbing i you you boys ever been arrested or you know in trouble with law and i go oh yeah i have and then that's mark and mark would go no no so you've never been arrested you've never been in trouble no you've never been in, so we'd ask him again because right? they know they pretty yeah. much know exactly <laughs> you know everything you've done they know and uh, so then they said, Mark, then he would go, oh, yeah, yeah, I was arrested. And uh, he'd go, what for? He, and Mark would go, well, you know, just the usual. <laughs> just the usual. <laughs> just the usual. You boys pull right over there. <laughs> then we'd be there for like 45 minutes or an hour. Oh, wow. Man. So finally it was Mark. Take your hat off, take your sunglasses off, you sit in the passenger seat, just say yes, no, answer exactly what the guy asked you, and we'll be fine. And we did that, and you just tell them up front, you know, and they're good. But as soon as you start, you know, he wasn't really giving them the gears, that's just how he was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, we had some, uh, we drove to, uh, when we went to California, 
Uh, me and Mark drove there in, uh, I think it was 48 hours from our house. We were doing 11-hour shifts in the driving. I think we oh. got pulled over. I don't know if we got any tickets, but I think we got pulled over twice. I remember waking up and seeing lights a few times. <laughs> it was through a, It was like a. It was in November, and there was like a a storm right across the whole Midwest. And uh, we were just flying. There was like trucks in the ditch and people all over the road, and we were pretty much pedaled the metal all the way to California. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you say through Canada, or do you come down through the states? Uh, what's that? Or do I stay up here? No, did you, when you went to California, did you go across Canada or did you come oh, no, down in the just States? Just that across? diagonal right straight there through okay. the States. Yeah. And uh, I think they just, oh, you guys just slow down. But <laughs> one night, I, one night we were coming back, a couple of funny things happened uh, coming back from going up to 95. Uh, you get to know where the, the police usually work the roads. There's a, a town, I forget the name of the town, near the south end of New York. And man, they they work the roads. So we, we asked them, like, you guys are out here all the time. Oh, yeah, we got four cars. We have a, a whole crew of guys that do nothing but work the interstate, just getting speeders and <laughs> stuff. So we got to know to slow down there. But one night we got pulled over three times. I think we only, I think we just got one ticket. We got two warnings and we get into Canada and we're going along and I can't remember if I was driving or Mark, but uh, we pull up behind this car and we thought it was a, is that a cop car? And it was hard to tell and it was pretty dark and uh, three in the morning and we're, and we're pretty oh, we're over the speed limit by quite a bit already. And we catch up to this car and we follow it for a long time. We're all doing over the speed limit. I said, you know, I think it's a cop. But And Mark says, well, they can't be working because if not, they probably would have stopped us by now. Yeah, you're right. So we pulled out and passed them. And we go by and it was a cop. And so <laughs> I thought, well, they haven't pulled us over yet. So we just kept our foot in it and we fly up the road. Sure enough, on go the lights. And the lady <laughs> cop gets out. She goes, what do you guys think you're doing? Oh, well, we're just heading home. <laughs> then she saw the bike and she was all interested in it. And she told us there's, you know, slow down because there's a lot of deer on the road and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So so I went, okay, you go you go first. She goes, no, you guys go first. No, you go first. No, you guys go first. So we pull out and she pulls in behind us. And on every hill or corner, we'd, we'd pull a little bit, pull a little bit, pull a little bit. Pretty soon we left her behind. <laughs> yeah, it was always some. Oh. One time we ran out of gas, like almost run out of gas so many times. Because at night, a lot of times places are closed. And you don't want to drive off the interstate unless yeah. you know you can see a station there. Because you can go a long way without getting gas. Yeah. And night, me and Bill are going and we run out of gas. But we're at the top of this hill. I don't know if that was in New York or in, uh, I think it was New York, but we knew that there was a town after. So as we're coming up to the crest of the hill, it's like chugging and sputtering. So we pull off to the, the soft shoulder and luckily it was a big wide paved soft shoulder. 
and Bill jumps out and he's pushing and all the, and we, we were just passing cars like crazy, but everybody's passing us as we're going down. And then I jump out and we're both pushing the truck and we get to the top of the hill, picking up speed. We jumped in and we went like, I don't know, like a mile down this hill and we coasted right around in town through this, cause no one's there coasted right up to the gas station. Got gas. <laughs> Did <laughs> that a lot. Cool. Yeah, I uh, can't think of all the crazy drives we had. <laughs> oh, I bet you had a lot, and you put a lot of miles on a on a lot of different vehicles. I'm sure getting yeah getting down here to race, but and you had to have good music. It's probably why my <laughs> hearing is so bad. <laughs> Just blaring the music. Yeah, chainsaws, yes. snowmobiles, hill climbers, blaring music the whole time. Just the <laughs> tires on the asphalt, like for so many miles. <laughs> I I know a funny one that happened. We were heading to a race, and we're in that. I had a Jeep Cherokee, and all of a sudden, the we're going down the interstate, and the the gas pedal just falls right to the floor, and the thing idles. So we coast off to the side of the road. And there, so it had come disconnected. But I, you couldn't see the linkage because it was underneath. And it, the, the exhaust manifold, there was the intake manifold and all kinds of crap on the engine. I think, so I reached underneath and the, the little uh, cable had come off the pin there, off that ball. Okay. The linkage come apart thought, man, what have I got to do? And we got to get to that hill climb. Like, so we got to keep motoring. So there's no way I could take it all apart on the side of the road. So I had, I got um, dental floss and I had some duct tape and I, so I, I couldn't see what I was doing, but I, I pushed it together and I tied, I wrapped it, a, you know, a hundred times with dental floss and then wrapped it in duct tape. And we continued on and I thought, I thought, well, it's, I'll just, it's a temporary fix. Then about five years later, I was, uh, the manifold broke on the, cracked on the, on the Jeep. So I'm taking it all apart, pull the, the manifold, the uh, intake off. And I look and there's that, the duct tape had all <laughs> rotted away, but that dental floss was still all tied around that thing, holding it together. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot about your temporary fix. Yeah. And it lasted five years. Yeah. Wow. We we did that once, uh, not racing, but we were heading to the West Coast in a, in a van, like a, I think I had a 69 GMC van. And the uh, the bolt broke on the alternator for adjusting the belt. And we're in the middle of nowhere. I forget if it's the prairies or I think it was in the mountains. And uh man, what are we going to do? So I had some kindling in the back, had a two by four. So I, I chiseled it down into a wedge and wedged it between the alternator and the motor. <laughs> and uh, you could go about 200 miles and then you'd have to open the, the lid on it and give it a few taps and wedge because it would start to start to work out and d- disintegrate, <laughs> banging in a bit farther. I probably <laughs> ran wow. that truck for like a couple of years like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do they, uh, what do they call redneck ingenuity in Canada? Uh, normal. 
normal. <laughs> it's just just the way of life up there, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I probably take it to the extreme. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. good. It makes for a, a life well lived, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want everything to go too smooth. I mean you can you can spend a lot of time making everything perfect and good, but then you miss all those adventures, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. And we got one last thing we want to talk about here. You got uh, inducted in the Canadian uh, Motorsports Hall of Fame, correct? The or Motorcycle, Motorcycle Hall, Hall of Fame, Fame. one of them. Yeah. yeah. Now, what what year was that? Uh, I'll, I'll say it was uh, twenty sixteen. Okay. Maybe around there. I can't remember. I was that was a that was a fun time. Yeah, what what was that like? Well, I talked to John with it, and I I was like I was really nervous the whole time because he had to make a speech in front of a bunch okay. of people, and I hate even though I I taught school, it's different, you know. When you got to, it was just to come up with what I was going to say and all that. It was pretty tough, and I was so nervous about it. It ended up to be good, <laughs> but. It was uh, it was really cool getting inducted. I mean, I never thought in my life I'd I never even thought that remotely thought I'd get inducted into the Hall of Fame. But that yeah, was that pretty was cool. cool. You had to channel your inner Johnny Williams for that speech, huh? What's that? Had to channel your inner Johnny Williams for the speech. <laughs> well, I just told stories about you know my normal <laughs> my normal things I did. Actually, I should tell you a couple of those stories, but uh, what was really cool at the Hall of Fame is uh, a bunch of the ladies around here, my yoga teacher came down and uh, and a bunch of these other, you know, and the guys, some of the guys came down, but I'm, and I had my bikes there, my, the Triumph that I, you know, I chopped down. Uh, I had that there and I had the hill climber there, the Rotax. I looked down the hall and here comes all these women that are just done to the nines, you know, they're just decked right out and they all come over and they're praying it. And it was pretty funny. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I had a real entourage there, but yeah, I, I was, pretty cool. I should tell you a couple of those stories. Uh, yeah, go for it. I, I, uh, if we have time, I don't know. Oh yeah, we got, I, I couldn't, my dad wouldn't let me have a motorcycle when I was young. I always saw in the back of the, uh, comics or something they'd have a mini bike or something like that you know and it, i wanted one so bad and uh we were somewhere and a, a, a kid had a his dad made him one with two wheelbarrow wheels and a lawnmower motor so i thought yeah i could do that so i had this chainsaw motor from the farm it was a big old clinton chainsaw and uh before I put the chainsaw motor in the in my on my bicycle, I put it in this little go kart we made. But I had those uh, really cheap red tires with hard rubber on them. But I was really young; I didn't understand gearing, so I thought I want this thing to go as fast as it can. So I put the smallest pulley I could on the axle, and so when I st it wouldn't pull away, it wouldn't go, and it was burning the belt, and I couldn't figure it out. So 
we put it up on blocks, we revved the engine up, that wheel spun and it expanded those tires right off the rim and they shot across the, the out into the field. <laughs> so when I did the when I did the the mini bike, I or my bicycle, I bought a we saved up all of our allowance and I got a wheelbarrow wheel and a pulley, a great the biggest pulley I could fit on there. And I and a flat pulley, so I put the pedal up so when you push on it, it would tighten the belt and go. And this was a big motor, and it had a handlebar thing around it, and it would just fit into the frame of the bicycle. And it had a little wee wheel on the front, little wire wheel. It weighed nothing. And man, that thing could pretty much beat all the 80s in town. <laughs> and I had no, no brakes on it. I was always going to put brakes on it. And... uh so I got really good at sliding it to stop. And uh, so we were at the uh, sport bike rally. I had the carbon fiber bike there and I had the uh, the hill climber there and people okay. wanted to see it go. So there's, you know, like 600 people and there's tents and trucks and motorhomes and stuff there and motorcycles and and I said, well, no, I can't, I can't run it here. I can't run it here. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just driving me. Like, people wanted to see it go. So I thought, well, okay, I'll go down this, down between all, down this road part between all the tents and that and vehicles. So everybody's lined up. And I go, I, I hit it and the thing just flies. And there was a turn at the end. But between when I checked it all out where I was going, someone parked a big trailer right there, so I couldn't see around. And I thought, oh, I can't go flying around this corner because somebody might be there. And I'm flying down. I go to, I hit the brake. I have no brakes. And uh, what I didn't know is my dad and Mark cleaned my bike before, before we went to the sport bike rally. My dad was a great one for using every can of gizmo you can find. Every can of additive he thought was great. They'd taken that tire block and they sprayed it all over my tires and my front disc. Oh. <laughs> so I, I, I thought I had brake right because I had a lot of, you know, and it was right there. But no, so I'm fly, just flying. Oh, how fast that thing goes. I thought, what am I going to do? And I saw there was a truck and a tent and it was about the, distance on my bike i threw it in this big slide the thing slides right between the truck and the tank goes up the embankment and flies into the trees and i rolled back and everybody just <laughs> freaks out i jump up everybody's like going crazy and i at the end of the weekend i won the environmental award <laughs> the environmental award <laughs> that was pretty fun that's awesome All right. I don't know. I, I better not go on anymore because uh, it's past <laughs> my bedtime. <laughs> yeah, we got we got one more one more segment here that that we do. Um, still kind of working out what I want to call it. So right now it's the right side or the left side. So you would you rather take the win on the first ride, or would you rather be the guy that spoils it on the second ride? You don't know the answer to that? <laughs> no, I don't. The second ride, of course. I'm not going all the way to ride once. <laughs> <laughs> Would that bring us on the other one? If you won it on the first ride, did you ride the second ride anyway? Probably. 
probably. <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless my bike was pretty much done or something, but <laughs> I would like to run the second run anyways, just for the ride. Just to, yeah. Especially if it was like, uh, some of the hills, maybe not there. There was a, a hill in, uh, not, not, not Goshen. I had some good runs there, but there was another one that was like a ski hill and they put these little ruts across the hill thinking they're going to slow you down. Oh, that Avoca, New York? No. Is that the one you're Avoca talking about? Good. Avoca was good. It had, it was rocky and, um, it was another hill. We only went there a couple times, but man, you'd fly up that hill and, uh, Oh, I forget now where that was going. Was that, was that the one in Nashville, Indiana? Maybe, yeah. That, yeah, Thomas, that Thomas did? Yeah. Yeah, that. It I remember like, Phil. He, I, I'm not sure I would ride, want to ride that hill again because it's just <laughs> like it's just like flat out with, with no <laughs> slowdowns. You get to the top and you fly right across that whole field and you got to stop before you hit that fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember... Uh, I got when I got hurt in '02 when I broke my leg at Goshen. Phil was rode my triple there, and he came down and said he doesn't ever want to go that fast on a hill climber again. Oh yeah, they, I guess him and Watson found where they could miss all those little bumps and stay in bounds. Yeah. So they were just flat out for that whole 400 feet and never left. Oh the yeah, ground. yeah, man, you can get going fast. What? That triple was that a tiger, like a Triumph, eight hundred or something? It was a. I, yeah, I have a speed tri triple. Oh, I have a Triumph Tiger, eight hundred XC. Okay, it was the the same engine predecessor to that engine. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was the early one. It was a ninety five yeah. speed triple engine when they first came back over yeah. to our side of the ocean. Mm -hmm. We bought that. Right out of the showroom floor and tore it apart. Yeah. I heard Phil's uh, podcast and he's got that uh, KTM. Yeah. Brand new, yeah, take it all that. apart. That's a, yep. that's a big job. Oh, he spent all winter on that thing. Yeah. He gets it figured out how he can get it hooked up and he'll be, uh, it'll be hard to touch once he figures out just the traction on it. You know, when I first did the Rotax, I, I couldn't get it to hook up either. But I shortened it two and a half inches, and that made a huge difference. It just changed okay. how much weight got in. It, it would just yeah. sort of drift around, bounce around. And then when I went to, I got it working really good on nitro, and then I stopped getting traction again. So I put that 21 on it, and then it really hooked up. Really so you've, heard, you've listened to some of the podcast stuff. So do you, uh, what do you think of the new roles and stuff for the hill climb with well, combining the, the two classes into one big fuel class and the twins class and the four fifties? Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it before just like it, it's pro hill climb. It should be like fuel. It should <laughs> just be fuel bikes. Yeah. But now we only got one class of fuel bikes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that twins class is doing good. It brought in Indian uh, factory hill climber and a yeah. fuel factory hill climber. Yeah. Well, maybe that's just what it needs. It'll it'll go through like another phase. Everyone will get back in, and you get enough guys that want to go work their way up into running fuel. 
you might end up having just like a fuel classes again. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. see how it goes, but it's definitely definitely helping the sport, I think. A lot yeah. of big the buzz was big when Indian did it, and then no one even knew that the that Sapala had a Buell factory deal till he pretty much showed up at a race with a brand new Buell 1190. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I, I'm sure we won't be able to come down this year yet. It's still, uh, borders are still going to be closed, I think. It, it may change yeah. soon because it just seems like the, the numbers up here are just starting to go way up come more down. than they were at the first time around. Okay. And uh, so I'm not making any plans to come down this year, but for sure, I think by the next year, for sure, I'll be able to come down. Okay. So if the borders open up, we'll get to see you at a race sometime, huh? You bet. All right. That's awesome. Well, I'm it's, looking forward to that. You know what? I, I just want to say I miss everybody. All every, It was just so much fun. I just couldn't do the drive all the time. You know, I just... And Aaron started racing, hair scrambles and everything. And I thought, you know, I really got to spend some time at home. And um, the, the long drive was getting to be too much for me. Yeah. And I was Aaron still teaching never... then. Yeah. Now I'm retired. I don't care how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Did Aaron ever uh, mention wanting to hill climb? Not really. Not he really? My bike went when he was 12. <laughs> went across, he went across the field and he got off. He said, this, that thing sucks. <laughs> Cause it was, it didn't handle that good back then. Cause I had just crappy suspension on it and, and it was so big for him. He was like, could hardly reach the bars and the pegs, but he still <laughs> gave her. Yeah. It's been a while. Huh? I had a guy out. Yeah. I had a guy you know, you think people that race uh, drag bikes, or the, this guy r raced drag bikes, and I thought, oh, yeah, you should be able to. But you got to hold it for the counter, just count to like one, two. If you count to two and you still got your hand full on the throttle, you'll see what that thing can do. Because most people get on it, they <laughs> hit it, and they just back off. You know, they just don't really hold it. He went across the field. Yeah, don't let it pick up speed. Yeah, they don't let it. They don't know the power. Like after it hooks, by the time you count to two, that thing is hauling. And uh, well, yeah, they're all like that, I guess you know. And he went across kind of slow, on off on off. And when he came back, and his girlfriend was there and stuff, he pinned it. He went, "What? Oh, he knows he he's got it. He did it." But as he came by us, he hit it again. It just straight armed him, and he was heading right for the trees. And I thought, man. That guy's gonna. Oh. He did a big slide. He hit the. He hit some small trees and he flipped through the air and landed in a soft spot and didn't. It wasn't an ambulance. We didn't have to call the ambulance or anything, so it was good. <laughs> well, that's good. That's always a 20 plus. Minutes, Twenty minutes later, it's like <laughs> I think I got the hang of it now. No, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, All right, Ted. I don't well, know. I'm going to let you go. You got past your bedtime. Yeah, I hope to get down there. I hope to see you down here soon, if too. not this year, next year. Yeah. Looking forward yeah. to it. And if you guys are up in Canada, look me up. 
It's always a party out in the shop. I will. (laughs) (laughs) After that, I might have to get a passport just just so I can come across and see you. Yeah, I don't don't like that now to have to have a passport to go to Canada. That kind of turned me away from going up there again. Yeah, you know, we never needed a passport for years. Just your license, you know, drivers. Good, go. Yeah, nah. Now I need a passport. Like Canada was always just like, but going to another state because it wasn't. Yeah. You just cross the border and. Yeah. And just have different money. Yeah. <laughs> Funny colored money. But it's, uh, things are, times are changing, I guess. I don't know. I hope we get back to more, uh, being able to do stuff like that, travel around a bit more. I hope so. I think we'll, we'll get through this and. Maybe by the end of the summer, they'll open everything up and we can get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe in the fall. I could get down in the fall. That'd be cool. Yeah, Dayton would be uh, Dayton would be a good one to make it to if you could. Yeah. That's but always I a fun one. I, I probably wouldn't ride my bike down to Dayton because the weather would be it's too iffy then. Yeah, you never know if it's going to be 80 or 30. Yeah. <laughs> I went out west once on the, the Beamer and all the way home from the west coast. If it was, it was getting pretty close to freezing. And, and one day, like you'd drive all day, like you're just shivering. I had no electric clothing or anything like that. And day, five days coming across. And the, the last day, I'm trying to get back for the Cordura Enduro with Aaron. And uh, I get up in the I all the all the rooms that night were uh, cl- were full, so I again I slept in in a picnic area just in the in my tent. I, I just gorilla camped the whole way across and back pretty much, and uh, get up in the morning. There's like you know an inch of snow on the ground. <laughs> oh. Man, that was a cold ride. It's pretty sketchy, <laughs> but I made it back. That's good. Anyways. So, yeah, anybody wants to stop in, they're welcome. Cool. We'll have to do that if we make our way up there. Yeah. So what you got to do, you got to find yourself a place to promote a hill climb up there and then get everybody to just come up and well, see you. We had some great hills, some great ski hills that are like the steep one, really steep and ragged. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be really good. But too many other kayaking, you know, golf. <laughs> I went golfing. You went golfing? Yeah. <laughs> I went, man, I don't know. I suck at ball sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, most, most racers do. That's why we race bikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. None of those guys will go riding, though. They would yeah. never get on anything like that. No. They wouldn't even get on my dirt no, bike. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> All but, right, Ted. I Anyways, well, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. You had some great yeah, stories. Say, say hi to your dad and everything and edit it down to like 15 minutes. It'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, we'll get the whole two hours out of this. No way. All right, Ted. Thanks for being on the show, bud.
Well, thanks for having me and hope to see you guys in the future. Take care. And we will. Hey, take care, Ted. Bye. All right, that was a great interview with Ted Wilkins. Such an inventive guy. Like, he just come up with an idea and make it happen. And, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But it was a really cool interview with Ted. A really fun guy. Uh, if you never got to meet Ted, man, you're missing out. So if he does happen to make it down here to the States, make sure you talk to Ted. Such a fun guy to talk to and a fun guy to be around. Uh, you might learn a thing or two, too. Such an awesomely inventive man and a talented rider, talented bike builder and all around great guy so i think that about does it for episode 13 y'all have been great fans of sticking around listening to this show for one and a half seasons we're up to 13 episodes in season number two many more to go hit that subscribe button like us follow us stay tuned many more great guests to come i'm your host brandon the cowboy krieger for nitro mud i'm out till next week later y'all Nitro. Nitro.